Welcome back, my people, to the Dose of Humanness podcast. This is Mitch speaking through the microphone right now, and it's a beautiful evening in Mexico. Um, Today, I have a super cool guest um, who, man, like such a cool conversation. just about working with people, about um, his own, you know, ups and downs, his own journey of um, of growing and of becoming a better coach and of working with people. This is Matthew Freeman. Uh, me and Matthew worked together for about a year or two. Um, this was a few years back, and uh i started the podcast and forgot to record so um i was just telling him how much i appreciated him i met him at a time where um i i needed a presence like his and he taught me a lot and i learned a lot just being in his presence um he was an amazing coach and um you know amazing trainer he he did it. He worked with people in a way that I hadn't seen yet. And you'll hear me uh, talking about that in the show. Um, but overall, Matthew is just like such a cool dude. And uh, he, he's got wisdom uh, drop dripping off of him. And, and he's there's so much to learn from this dude. Uh, he has his own podcast that I definitely recommend checking out. Uh, so As we get into the conversation, he's just responding to me about um, me telling him how grateful I was to have him in my life. Enjoy the show. Older ones, you know, and I feel like I have a perspective that, uh, you know, a lot of individuals might not have, especially in the environment that we're in, right? Because there's a lot of younger trainers and I'm, I'm almost double the age. I'm the only guy with kids. And so I have some insight to things you may encounter down the way. But what I really enjoyed about you is uh, even if you were going through a transition, you have a, you have a sense of calm. You're a really good listener. You think before you speak. So then when you do speak, it's something that you know matters you don't just fill the void. And those are things that weren't strengths of mine, you know, growing up. My family was like, if you want to speak, you better speak louder and faster than everybody else, you know, and capture the attention. And so that's, that's why I grew up fighting for, you know, space to speak you know, if I wanted to speak. And, and so as an adult, it was always nice to be like, man, I really enjoy the people that know how to listen. But you can see the difference between people who know how to listen and people who pretend like they're listening, but really didn't hear anything you said. And you're, you're the former, not the latter. And uh, that's, that's one thing that I really appreciated about our early conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, there's like listening to, to then just say what you have on your mind. And then there's listening to, to hear and to 
to have conversation. Um, but like, it's interesting to hear you say that because I, well, I saw both in you, but I definitely like when I would watch you work with other people, I definitely watched you as a listener. Um, and it's, it's interesting to hear your reflection of like, I was, I'm not that way or I'm not, I haven't always been that way. So I imagine it like, is it something that you've worked on a lot in the past, the present, where are you at with that? I, you know, so I guess I would add in that I've always been an observer. I, I really watch people and I really pay attention to what's going on. Um, and, and so I guess that is a form of listening. But when I think of listening, I think of like two people engaged in dialogue. And while I've, I think that I've gotten better at that, and I think that you came in at stages of my career that I was better at that, I think I'm a better observer by nature than listener by nature. Um, I pick up more from what people are doing when they don't know that I'm watching, you know, than when I'm actually actively watching and engaged. And so it's been a, it's been a practice. And, and I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of people when, when people use age, you know, as a, a reason for maybe being somewhere. But will I, what I will say is experience and time has taught me, uh, and some people learn this quicker, that things are a lot better or often a lot better when things are left unsaid and you really only speak on the few things that are relevant that may need to be said. And uh, I think that the connection with clients, friends, uh, my now girlfriend is better when I only use words that are meaningful, you know, or important. And that could be playful, that could be serious, that could, it doesn't mean to be deep, so to speak, but just meaningful. And so really worked hard on listening more and, and speaking less. And for me, that's, that's taken 42 years, you know, um, to realize it where some people I think, you know, realize it a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just nailed it in right there. Like this stuff we work on is like, it's such a long term thing, you know, like, like we do exercise and like, and nutrition and all this stuff. And we like, we know that, you know? Um, but yeah, like even the things we're trying to like change about ourselves are, are that really long span. Um, I don't know. I was going to say like, that was another thing when we worked together, I remember that you were just not afraid to like call someone out. Like you, you would just, you would just call someone on their bullshit. Like you, one of your clients, um, and you know, you would do it in a, in a way that was people could hear, you know, you definitely had, a, you had that skill and you weren't afraid to do that. And I remember at the time thinking like, man, I wish 
I wish I could do that or like I wish I knew how to do that um so yeah I mean that was something that was something I admired in you at that time thank you thank you you know uh <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because I don't know why I don't forget this but my sister said I think just about two or three years ago uh, we were having a conversation. I just, you know, it was another one of those conversations of like, why do you like not like me so much? I just feel like you, like there's something about me that like, like I know you love me, Wendy, but I just feel like you don't like me. Like, I don't know what the deal is. And she says, no, it's not true at all, Matt. She just says, you say exactly what you're thinking and you call me out on things that, I really don't want to be called out on. And in the moment, you're my brother. I don't love it. But I realized a couple of weeks after, usually when you're gone, and I may never share this with you, that I really appreciate it. It just never feels really good in the moment uh, for whatever reason, you know? And um, I never really, never really looked at it like I called people out. But you know, as I look back, I just, if I, if I passionately believe that something is causing someone pain, I have no, there's no filter or delay in saying, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. Like you, you can't do that. That's hurting you. And I can't watch you hurt, you know, and I may not be all knowing, but I have watched you long enough to know this is not a behavior that serves you. And I, I think I've been doing that since I was a little tiny kid um, is the reality. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a gift. Like if you harness it, you know, like I, I think you could just be a straight up dick <laughs> with that, yeah. but like, you know, with you and your coaching, it sounds like you, you've definitely harnessed it. And that was what I want to, what I wanted to ask you is like, um, you know, speaking of just what I know about you and your coaching, um, from what I watched, like you just seemed really natural with it. And of course I'm looking at like years of you having done that. Um, but I'm wondering like, uh, what, what got you into coaching? Like, what was, what was it that you were just like, all right, like I need, I want to, or I need to do that. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's great. You asked that question. I, I literally just posted, I think two days ago, a post about being a coach and how um, the term, you know, nowadays is a little generic like I was just over at UPS store and, and in the GNC window said, come talk to our coaches. They've, they've changed like their service retail agents are now coaches, you know? And so it's like, everyone's a, a coach. Um, but I've always viewed as a coach, as a teacher, a mentor, a guide. And um, it's much deeper for me. And I think I was born a coach because I, I have been coaching like ever since I played anything competitive. I was coaching my family. 
like at 11, my, my grandma said like, you are the mediator of our family. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you are the one that mediates tension always. Um, and I, I think that I've always had the desire to help others. So put that over here in a box just from day one, modeling my mom, like be kind to others, be good to others, help them in any way you can. So that's in one box. On the other side of it, I'm not a natural learner. Uh, people would, or people have said that I'm, in, I'm smart, but I'm not like book smart. And I'm not even like fully common sense smart. I'm some kind of mixture of the two. Like, you know, usually someone's book or, or common sense. And I come like down the middle, like not, not great at either, but kind of do both. And so, you know, this is a long answer to say that like, for me to learn something, I had to ask so many questions to the teacher to break it down to the ridiculous so that I could understand it for myself and then to further understand it, I would go tell people what I, what I come to understand to just ingrain it for me, for me to learn. And through that process, I started to understand that one task might take 30 steps for someone to learn and someone else might be a born natural and they may just see it, right? And I'll give you a, a quick example of that. When I went to train jujitsu, my jujitsu instructor was, you know, multiple degrees black belt and just a natural. And he would be showing me something. He'd say, Matt, you just do this. And I'd go, and I'd try it. And I'd go, I'm not, I don't get it, Dave. And he'd go, no, you just do this. And I'm like, I don't get it. You know, and he'd go, Matt, you just do this, man. And he would start to get frustrated. And I'd go, do you mean I go and I do this, 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 and then this? And he's like, sure. Or you just do this. And what I, what I realized was, although he was great at it, he didn't know how to break it down into its component pieces for someone like me that couldn't see it at face value so I could learn it. And I think that's what I've been doing my whole life as a means of survival. So you take like my learning style and the fact that I just love helping people and it was a good combination to, to coach because it's like, no, I understand you wanna learn that and I can see that you don't see it. Let me break it down for you. Let me make the complex simple for you and I can help you get out of the pain of frustration and, and get into understanding, you know? and I, so. I've been doing that since as long as I knew, you know, and, uh, you know, you throw in some really competitive streak, you know, from all my sporting background and it just lends to being a, a coach, a mentor, a teacher, uh, you know, you give it whatever name. Um, and that's how I landed there. Like it just, it's just literally, I, I do think I was born to be a coach that's that's beautiful and like that's what i observe 
like people who who make good coaches um and i hesitate to use the word good but like successful coaches is like uh i i noticed that there are people who have spent a lot of time like either in the craft or like in the craft of learning itself and um and it's just like it it makes it makes you better at like uh working with people it makes you better at receiving people because uh you understand what it's like to to not know <laughs> yeah dude i'm I, when like hearing you say that i'm very similar like uh i <laughs> It's interesting, just in the past like six months or so, I'm starting to realize how I learn. And the way that I learn is that I fail really bad the first like either one or two times. And it's just like, at this point, I've seen it so many times that I just know that I need to get the first one and two out of the way. Um, and then like three and four, five and six, I'm just putting like you said use the word like blocks or pieces like i'm just putting those pieces together yeah. um and like something like jujitsu it's like i've tried a little bit of jujitsu and that's a really good example like for me i had a very similar experience where it was like the fourth time i went that i was like oh okay <laughs> like you string this together like this and, and your arm fits here on this arm like this and um so yeah i highly relate to you in that way and it makes you uh, more understandable when you're helping other people super good that i'm episode seven then because this will be a smasher you got those <laughs> little failures out of the way right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes sir all right so you talked about you as a coach um however you weren't you know doing it as a profession um your whole life right like when did when did that happen and what was the decision what what led to that yeah it's funny you say that because i actually was doing it my whole life um it just didn't look that way right so uh in sports i played quarterback i played point guard i played catcher so i i led the game in every sport I ever played. I called all the pitches as a catcher. I made sure everybody was in the right position as a catcher, you know? As a quarterback, I needed to know what I did and I needed to know what all other 10 players on the field had to do. And I had to make sure they're in the right spot, taking right action, you know? And, uh, you know, we might call that leadership, but it's, it's also coaching because you have to be able to get them in the right position through the knowledge. And then you have to be good enough to inspire them to want to execute whatever that is. And so leadership and, and coaching, you know, gets a little, but you have to earn the respect. You have to be, you have to be, have them be willing to listen. And then you actually have to have the knowledge to teach on the field in action. And so, you know, I was coaching high, I was coaching pop Warner after practice when I would leave my football practice in high school and go coach Pop Warner. And then fast forward, I'm in college and I coach Special Olympics bocce ball 
Special Olympics basketball. You know, I was uh, going to school to be a teacher. So I had to go out and do a lot of projects where I was coaching people. In my pledge class, I was number one pledge. So I was the leader of the group. And I had to constantly sit them down and help them learn the quiz material. Because if we didn't pass the quizzes, everyone suffered. And so I had to coach people through that. And then right out of college, I ended up getting into lending. And I was a really good loan officer. But I was even better at training other loan officers how to be the best loan officer. So I was coaching the loan officers and training them on their skill uh, when I was in lending. And then, you know, when I got out of lending, I landed in this in this career. And it all started out, which I was doing Beachbody P90X on my own. And I just started inviting people over because I needed accountability. I was super depressed. And you talk about transitions and we might talk about this, but I was in a really bad place. So I needed company. So I invited people over, but then I led and I coached people through what they were doing. I told them what they needed to do, how to pick up the weight, how to contract the muscle, you know, and then I got a job at PowerFit and I realized right away that just showing people how to exercise, I had no interest in, but how to learn how exercise can impact their life as a whole, I had a lot of interest in. So, you know, I was, I was known for clients showing up in that mood that you could tell exercise was going to do nothing for them. And I would say, let's go for a walk. And we'd go for a walk and the conversation would go where the conversation would go. And I was coaching, you know, relationships and, and nutrition and, whether or not they should consider leaving their job or not leave their job. And so it's just been an evolutionary process of different forms of coaching from day one. And like I said, I just, I, that's why I feel like I can say I was born to coach and I feel like I'm the, um, uh, how do I say this most, but, you know, I, I want to say like, I think that I was supposed to be like the people's coach because I don't live this extraordinary like life that seems unrelatable and untouchable that I feel like people are more comfortable opening up. And that's my role because I get to impact so many that might get overlooked through intimidation from other high level coaches. Um, and so I'll, I don't live a, I'm a destitute life in any way. I have a great life, but I, what I'm saying is I'm not like a Tony Robbins, you know, who might not seem approachable and to, to many, I feel like I'm, I'm that guy that everyone feels like they could talk to, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, so it's interesting. It's been an, it's been always dude that is wild <laughs> it's like yeah you've you've been doing it in so many different ways um and then you well see what i find interesting is that you decided to keep doing it um whereas you know maybe not for you or in your mind, but like for people, 
you know, they could decide to stop doing it or do something else because of, you know, whatever life factors. Um, but you, you chose to just no, like I'm, you were a lender, but you were coaching other lenders and then you decided well, exercise helped you. So I'm going to use exercise to help other people. Like you just kept following this stream of help, like helping folks in that way. Um, which I think, yeah. Which, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it was, it's like super organic. What happens is a lot of things like without going into all the details, like I'm in some ways I was just surviving life and where I landed, I created somehow, some way a role where I was coaching people. It's, it's like, I always just go back there. It's, it's like, it's, it's how I land on my feet. You know, uh, it's where I feel good. It's, it's where, it's where balance comes back for me. So when life's in turmoil and, and you, it was funny you mentioned transition because I in my head, I'm thinking transition actually never ends until we die. Like we're always in some level of transition. Like, you know, you're either growing or you're shrinking. So so it's either you're transitioning the wrong direction or you're transitioning the right direction. And those words are, you know, interchangeable and I hate to say wrong or right, but it's like, you're either, you know, falling away from where you're at or falling towards something new, you know, growing or shrinking. And so, um, it's always been my, my, my Linus blanket, if you will. You know, it's, it's what brings me comfort. Uh, the old proverb says, when you're discouraged, encourage others. And a lot of my upbringing, you know, while I didn't know it was a tough one because my mom was really good at helping me not feel like it was tough, um, there's a lot of sadness and loneliness and emptiness, you know, um, I've never really said this live on a podcast, but I, I was the kid that had four imaginary friends, you know, um, because there was no one else to hang out with. And um, I spent a lot of time still to this day. I want to eat in front of a TV by myself because my whole life, my family didn't eat together. Uh, I was always by myself having dinner, always by myself having lunch. And so I feel like through discouragement, I just, I just started encouraging other people and coaching and helping. And that felt good. And it felt like my Linus blanket. And it felt like what helped me write the ship all the time. So no matter where I go, I, that ends up being what I do. Um, Does it feel like you, like when you help someone else that, does it feel like you have like a partner in your, I don't know, I don't want to say suffering, but like, like seeing someone else's suffering, like makes you feel connected or uh, do you simply just want to help them not suffer? Like, wh what does that bring up for you? Yeah, I, I think that's twofold. Like my mom is an amazing individual, uh, the kindest person I've ever met. And she does not see anyone as less than and anyone in pain. She's always wanted to help. 
And so I feel like I inherit, inherited that. I don't like seeing people in pain. And no matter how much pain I'm in, I'd rather help someone out of their pain so I can transcend my own pain. And what I found was, wow, helping someone also helps me. And that is where that whole idea of rising tide raises all ships, you know, but little do they know that everyone that I help, they're actually pulling me up, you know? <laughs> um, and so it's not a, a selfish endeavor, but again, my own survival mechanism learned early that when I help others, I feel really good about myself uh, and where I'm at and who I am. And so any type of lost identity was quickly found again when I was helping someone, which as I've grown and matured, I think I did it selfishly early on. And then I realized like, as I've grown and matured, it felt that way because that's who I was born to be. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so that's why it makes me feel better because it's in alignment with who I am and everything else was out of alignment. Mm -hmm. So when I'm not coaching, I don't feel in alignment and I get sad and all of a sudden I find myself coaching and helping and I feel really good. And, and so I just feel like it's cause I'm in alignment with, you could throw around the terms purpose, uh, you know, passion, they're all terms that can give you um, a, a framework, right? To begin building. They're just, they're just terms, uh, generic terms that give you a framework. So call it passion, call it purpose. I used to not be able to get around that. I'm like, I don't, I'm not passionate about anything. Like I must suck. Like, you know, but it's just a, a framework to begin to understand how to like live your truest potential mm -hmm. to the fullest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the alignment thing, like you feel good when you're in a lot, obviously when you're following that now, um, I mean, I'm, a, I'm assuming, or I'm imagining that you help your, your clients, find this or do this um like again it's just man it's just interesting to me that you always found your way back like you all i don't know about back but like you always kind of found your way toward toward this helping people uh, like how do you help someone who this doesn't come as natural to like this falling into alignment or finding alignment yeah, I mean, I think something that I'm like, such a good question. Um, let me tell you where my coaching kind of sits a lot today. Um, not helping others not divide themselves up into more than who they are, like, and this is going to be hard to say, but like, let's say there's something that you're really ashamed of 
and you box it and you stick it to the side and it brings you great shame. Uh, you don't want to talk about it and you've made it separate of who you are. So you feel 97% good. But if someone were to know about the box, then you would be uh, called out and, and nothing good about you. And if they only really knew who I really was, no one would really like me. And um, so I got to keep hiding the thing. But the only person you're hurting is yourself. Like when you separate the two, that, that thing that you're ashamed of is, is the same as who you think you are the other 97% of the time. None of us are mistake free. So I, I spent a lot of time trying to get myself, which was a major breakthrough for me, and others to undo all the boxes inside of us that are locked away compartmentalizations of stuff that we have shame over, stuff that we haven't forgiven ourselves for, that, that are often stories that are actually even not, not real. They're, 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 they're just accumulating more and more pages of narrative that is, that is false that, or is, is uh, um, unresearched or, you know, based on a th your own thought, but maybe not on any truth. Like you haven't approached the person and asked the person how they feel, right? And so it's just, it's creating more and more formulation. It's carrying more and more weight which is making it more and more difficult to live, which means you're hiding from more and more and more things and how people punish themselves for that shame and forgiveness and guilt. Uh, I've seen everything that you, you could think of. And I know I'm going to see a lot more, but in the years I've seen everything from, you know, alcohol abuse to, to drug abuse, to avoiding relationships, uh, me, me at all, all costs because you're not worthy of being in one, you know, um, the list goes on and on and on and on, but it's really hard to live a fulfilling, passionate life full of purpose. We'll use those words again. When you have these locked away false narratives, you know, it's the, the best way I can, you know, convey it. And so I spent a lot of time coaching, trying to unlock those boxes and dealing with those boxes so that the, the person can then be one complete human, free of all these compartments that aren't real compartments and be 100% themselves, which lends to discovering that at that point, because you can discover it free of like, like hiding something. Um, you, you can, uh, you know, like my podcast says, be real, raw and unedited, like truly, like we're all living this edited version of ourselves because we're, we fear other people's opinions and how, how can you find purpose or passion if you're living an edited life? <laughs> Mic drop, <laughs> dude. That was, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that one because that is money. That is so money, um, 
dude, how, what are the ways in which you help people with this stuff? Like, uh, are you sitting in a room? Are you taking walks? Are you working out and talking about it? Like, cause this is, I mean, this is amazing work. What is it? What does it kind of look like? Yeah. Um, well that's, that's the funny thing. And, and, and that's part of the coaching, I suppose, of myself and, and others, uh, pre COVID it looked like in a gym, um, strength training, standing next to the barbell, never lifting it for the entire half hour to hour session because we're talking, um, uh, you know, taking walks and talking because I think people, uh, are more clear with their thoughts when moving. And so I didn't ever go into a, a, a sit down room because counseling or sitting down brings some innate like fear to open up, but walking like opened up the idea of people's vulnerability for me and their thought, their, their ability to think clear. And honestly, we're shoulder to shoulder and so they didn't have to look me eye to eye, but I was walking with them. So when we walk, we're walking together, shoulder to shoulder, discussing these things. We're team. This is not a coach client situation. These are, this is two people that are friends doing it together, which helps people be less fearful. So it's been, been through that. Right. And then, and then COVID happened. So zoom calls, FaceTime calls, um, when allowed, still walking, you know, um, a little harder because the muffly mask, you know, I, I find myself <laughs> going, what, huh, what, you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, um, still in that way and, uh, audio messages back mm -hmm. and forth. And so, um, whatever opens the door for conversation I will use that tool. I don't, I don't care what it is. It used to be coffee. I'll make Hell yeah. sort of coffee. I love that. Um, still to this day, when someone says, if you, if money weren't an issue, what would you do for a living? And I said, sit in coffee shop that I own and just talk to people all day. That's all I would do and work out before and after, but like, I'd probably have a gym attached to the coffee shop, you know? Um, I uh, I was just telling Brooke, like literally less than a week ago, I was like, you know, if, if I really just didn't, you know, money wasn't a thing, I would, I'd start a coffee shop, and and there's there's something about it where it's like I don't, if I were to do that, I wouldn't want money to be attached to it, like I would just, I wouldn't want that to even be a factor, like I just want to create an experience and. Uh, and then, like you said, just sit there and chat. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, it's interesting. And I don't know if this is, pertains or not, but I'm just going to share this because it came onto my heart real quick. I like coffee a lot, but I've always liked the experience of getting the coffee and sitting down and holding the warmth in my hand as like almost like a security blanket and just watching people and it always sparked conversation there it, from the most random people. Sometimes, you know, when I wasn't as present, 
I was like, ah, stop talking to me. I'm trying to study for that, you know, but like ultimately in the end, I was like, that was the best part of my day when I looked back the random conversation with the person. So I feel like the reason coffee shop comes to me is that that's another place that people feel comfortable and, and willing to open up because they have their little safety blankets in their hand you know um mm -hmm. but anywhere that people will open up i'm down you know <laughs> so. dude that's a good way to put it like the safety blanket i i feel very similar when i have that just that warm cup in my hand dude um i remember too do you, uh do you know who chris moore is he was part of barbell shrugged uh the barbell buddha guy yeah yeah i used to um I used to listen to his podcast like all the time. And I remember on one, he said, um, he said, Hey man, you know what you should do today or tomorrow is just go to a coffee shop and get a drink and just watch people and, and just let that be your experience of just being there in a coffee shop and drinking your coffee and like watching the world go by. And like, I don't know why, you know, how we're, like things just stick with you. Like that was one of the things that like years later, I like, I've never forgotten. And um, there's something so, so simple. And so like, so nice about it, you know? He was wise. Yeah. You know, I just finished Matthew McConaughey's book and it made me think of you um, because I've always remembered you journaling a lot and writing things down and Matthew McConaughey's book is a bunch of his journal entries like explained into this life story it was actually really incredible to read um, but just from a format perspective if you have the opportunity to pick up the book and look at it 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 really like I was like I know Mitch could do something <laughs> like like that's this. rad Form, like format wise it's pretty dang cool because you see his little scribbles like it was some of them were hard to read i'm like i'm not really <laughs> sure what that says you know what i mean um but it was a way to kind of like open up and just tell this story you know so um save those journals you know i gotta get as uh as popular as mcconaughey before i do that and I got to get that little, little Texas slur. I mean, you have the voice to do the audio. <laughs> like, everyone's like, you should listen to it on audio book because you get the, all right, all right. <laughs> you know, like I could, I just enjoyed turning the pages and, and hearing him, yeah. you know. Uh, nice. I'll check time, it out, dude. Every once in a while, a magic mic image would pop up, you know, and I'd be <laughs> like, oh, God, you know, because of whatever he's explaining. I'm like, gold rush. Uh, or uh, no, uh, fool's gold. <laughs> fool's, fool's gold, or isn't that what it's called? With them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, has, he has a movie called Gold, and then he has a uh, the other gold. one. Fool's yeah, I think that's what it's called. Or Fool's Russian. I don't know one of those movies, but uh, so you know, I'm curious. We're gonna wrap up kind of soon. To someone who's at, at the moment is 
is in one of these life transitions like that you said we're always in um or maybe maybe they're just a little lost a little confused maybe they feel the way you felt that when you said you know you just were doing p90x and you just needed to, to do that and bring friends over um what would you recommend or what would you uh what would be your your words to to someone who's in that place yeah um i could go on for days i'm gonna try and make this concise when you feel like you're circling the drain and life's kind of got you you know caught up and everything seems overwhelming and you maybe are losing the idea of who you were because maybe you know for me it was i was married uh i was a successful mortgage broker i made all kind of money i had beautiful kids i had this family i had i had the american dream and all that was gone the money the wife the kids in an instant and i realized i put everything into that identity. And because I was losing that identity, I didn't know who I was. So as you circle the drain, and I've done this a few different times now, uh, more than I want to, um, what I've come to learn is this. You get out of it, and this isn't sexy, but you get out of it by finding that one action that you have to take every day. It's one action every day. And for me, for a while, it was P90X. If I could just push play today, right, like I can feel momentum. And then that one action generally leads to a secondary action. Well, I'm doing all this working out. Maybe I should try to eat healthier, you know? And so I start eating healthier and working out. And then it's like, Okay, well, if I want to build a business again, maybe I should invite one person over to hang out with me while I'm taking this action and then share with them some good food. So I'd make dinner for both of us and I'd share my salmon and rice with whoever was there, you know? And so now we're working out, eating healthy, and I have a friend around. Well, and I say, hey, if you want to invite someone, you invite them. And you have them do this. And then the next action was like, I'm going to send them a thank you card. Because you know what? That brought a lot to my life. So I'll send a thank you card. Well, then they didn't forget that when my business started. So then I had a, a client or a referral. And so it's really easy to go, I was making 300 grand a year. I'm now eating out of an ice chest and our food is going bad before we can even eat it. I'm selling my Rolex in a parking lot so I could pay child support. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Let me just sit in this house and do nothing and things get worse. And I did that. I overthought things and it just got worse. And so I was like, what can I do today? To win the day. It was, it was Brian Buffini actually in his real estate training that he taught us how to win the day. And winning the day were small, simple tasks that led to ex extraordinary results down the road. And he's like, if you can win more days in a week than you lost, you can win the week. 
And if you can win more weeks, you can win the month. And if you can win the, a couple months, you can win the year and things will build momentum. And I just kept reminding myself, how do I win today? I'm going to make my bed. That was the first one, to be honest, skip that. Just, just make your bed, dude. Mm. Make your damn bed, you know, be a human, make your bed, do P90X. Now you're eating healthy. Now invite someone. Now have them invite someone. Send a thank you note. Go talk to your neighbor. And that momentum just, just creates, right? And then again, it leads you back to feeling joy because you can, you can feel good about yourself for checking off tasks. Where people go wrong is they try to do five new things at once. And they're overwhelmed. And when you're circling the drain, you don't have the capacity to manage that much. So it's got to be like a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 doable. And you just got to do it every day and see yeah. what it perpetuates. Action. Action. Yeah. It's like you can spend so much time in your head and you can plan all you want. You can read all you want. Uh, like like uh i forgot his name but the guy you said said um that's how you win that's how you win. That's how you win days that's how you win weeks is not by necessarily even by planning it's just by at first just doing just commit yeah. and i really want to add that word small action and the reason i say small action is because when you're circling a lot of times you're trying to figure out what's the home run. What's the home run? I need to hit a home run. Trust me. I needed a home run. You know, I had no job and child support was $1,500 a month. You know, um, <laughs> I needed a home run, you know, but, uh, it was the, it was the little tiny action that just got bigger and bigger. Have you ever read the slide edge? No. Jeff Olson wrote this book, The Slide Edge, and, and it, it just, it, I just never forget it. He just basically says, um, small things that are easy to do and easy not to do daily over time create exponential results. And so the mm -hmm. example I always use with clients is like, hey, if you didn't brush your teeth today, no problem. But if you didn't brush your teeth for the next six months, you're probably gonna have some exponential problems and vice versa. If you just floss every day in six months, a lot of things going on in your mouth would probably be gone. Mm. Just, just flossing. That's why the dentist says it all the time. You know, take 30 seconds to floss and your cleaning would be easier. Easy to do, easy not to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why it sits on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Rad, dude. Um... I mean, I just want to keep talking, but, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, um, let's wrap it up and save some more for the future. For sure. Um, how can people find you? Um, what do you, where, what platforms are you on and how it's, how would someone reach out to you? Yeah. 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 Um, it's funny because when we started this podcast, what people don't know, we're, we're on zoom. 
and Mitch, it was light out and he was bright and I could see him perfectly and we're wrapping this up and all I can see is his smile. Um, <laughs> I know, it's just, it's, just it's pretty feet. cool. But um, <laughs> at Matthew Freeman on Instagram, M-A-T-H-E-W Freeman. Uh, it's one, one T and Matthew. Um, that's, that's where I pretty much put everything. You know, my, my podcast is Matthew Freeman Show. Um, my podcast when I feel like it, you know, I had an awesome couple named Brooke and Mitch not too long ago. And, um, yeah, I, I think the podcast and Instagram is probably the best. I have a website, MatthewFreemanFitness.com. Don't do much with it. Um, I have another company I own baseline training. So, you know, we're at baseline underscore training. We do a lot of, uh, training for, people that are beginning their journey. That's why we're called baseline. It's like, Hey, we'll evaluate where you're at, where you're starting, and then we'll help you get where you want to go. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's about meeting clients where they're at. So at baseline underscore training at M A T H E W Freeman, those are probably the two best places. And I really appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, I just, we could chop it up for hours. I know. It's just so easy. The, we'll have to, hit a coffee shop up in mexico in, in mexico you want to come i mean dude i would love to get away i'm doing a one <laughs> one night getaway next week and uh gonna take the kids snowboarding saturday since it's still allowed um that's that's our christmas gift every year the family snowboarding trip so oh yeah yeah i'm excited to do that but you find coffee I'm in. <laughs> Dope, dude. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me and um, such a fun, stimulating conversation. Um, I, as I said in the beginning, uh, I just, I've learned so much from you in a short time and um, you're just like one of those people who who can you have like wisdom dripping off of you <laughs> if if someone were just to like be in your presence and, and listen to you speak um and I'm, I'm lucky i got a chance to do that so thank you man thank you for having me on man for sure much right, love buddy. brother Peace. talk soon talk soon